0: Listen in to uncover a developing romance between Connie the Dispense Robot and James the Packing Robot, plus the biggest news from Apple, including the launch of HealthKit this week. Welcome to the Transformation Show, where successful pharmacy owners and technology partners help you to build a better 21st century pharmacy by embracing technology. Here is your host, Robert Starr. Welcome to episode 14 of The Transformation Show. The only place in the world where pharmacy and technology collide to bring you, the motivated pharmacy owner, all that you need to help to build your smarter, more successful 21st century pharmacy. My name is Robert Starr, your host and guide on this great journey of ours. And what a big week it has been. I'm going to kick off with Apple. I think we all look forward to this, or well, I certainly do. And they had another big launch event on the June the second, and I'm going to bring you some of the biggest things that have come out from that. And no bigger than health, and particularly Health Kit. Ultimately, what Health Kit's going to do, and we've spoken about wearable technology on this show, about how it generates all this useful information for us, our movement information, our sleep, our diet, but it all sits in silos, and obviously our health is a combination of all sorts of different readings and measurements, and the data needs a single place to go. Well, that's what Apple's health kit's going to be. Via the health app, and you'll have total privacy control, you'll be able to integrate all of those data sources coming from your wearable tech devices and be able to actually present that in a view that you can see your full health picture in one place. One of the fantastic examples that was spoken about at the event and don't worry we're going to put some videos on the blog site so if you're hunting around for them I'll put them on the blog site. You can have a a listen and uh, really get involved in some of the excitement as well. If you're interested, you can listen to the whole thing. It's about an hour and 17 minutes. It's always encouraging to see Apple and how they launch these things to their developers, which is really a great place where their developers can really take some of the building blocks that they've put together, like HealthKit, and really build some great applications for us to use as healthcare practitioners and patients. So the Mayo Clinic was one of the examples that they used and they've taken this up in pre-development. So the example where you can experience this in a Mayo Clinic is where a patient takes their blood pressure at home but that information will display on a screen or in this case on an iPhone because it's a blood pressure connected device to the iPhone of course it wouldn't be anything else would it? And that blood pressure measurement will then get sent to Apple's Health Kit. And it will also then interface with the Mayo Clinic's treatment paradigms that the doctor has set for that particular patient. And if those measurements are outside of those um, treatment paradigms, it may also notify the patient of what to do, but if it's at a, at a level where the patient's uncomfortable and it requires immediate attention, it'll notify the doctor immediately to follow up with the patient as well. Fantastic, oh, I just think that that's, we talk about seamless integration all the time and this is just a great way of health information, data, devices, being able to create an incredible experience for our patients and ultimately help them solve some really big problems and Perhaps not when they become big problems, but when they're a little bit earlier in the pace. They're also integrating with um, leading electronic health record providers in the U.S. to provide the same for doctors. So I'd love to see that my my HR, which we spoke about with George, that that might be able to interface with something like Apple HealthKit. Watch this space. Obviously, we spoke a little bit about some other product called Microsoft Health Vault, and it's interesting to see how that develops as well as that has been mentioned in this country. So great thing in health. I'll touch on also a favorite of mine, and um, you know, I've got a young family with two young kids as well, um, and my wife is often always bugging me to know what's on my calendar. Can I get some of those photos that you've taken? And can I get that um, video that you downloaded for the kids so that they can watch it whilst you're you're, you're at work? Well, Apple's solving that problem too. They're enabling something called family sharing, where apps, music, videos, photos, calendars and tasks can become common for you so that your whole family can share all of that. You don't have to download three copies of a music file or a video file. It's just going to work in sync with all your devices at the same time. So you can have shared calendars, you can all know exactly where everyone is at the same time, and you can also share tasks as well. So if you often get reminded on the way home to to pick up some milk, or to pick up some dinner, or pick up the laundry, or anything like that, again, those tasks, so we may actually be enabling, enabling our partners to be actually giving us more work as we get home, but look, certainly to be able to collaborate with our family, I think is one of the most important things and I believe this will be a really big enabler as well. Anyway, enough about Apple. I, I could talk about Apple all day. I, I love what they do. I love the products they're developing and I think these two things in particular, as well as their new operating system, Yosemite, offers some exciting possibilities. A few statistics as well. We've now got 33 countries and I am going to do a list A grand list down the track. But I thought I might share with everyone our top three. Our top three, not surprisingly, is Australia. So... uh our Australian owners have been the biggest supporters of this show. However, not far behind is the US and Canada. So our US and Canadian listeners, thank you so much for your support. And I look forward to uh, sharing with you all the events coming up over, over the coming months, particularly on the way to the book launch in uh, August. And I'm going to have some exciting news for you, which I won't announce today. I'll hold on to that one for a couple more episodes, I think, of how you can get involved with that as well. So also, uh, in terms of the book launch, again, it will be between the 1st and the 22nd of August 2014, coming to a city near you. I did mention the six cities, and that's the way we're going to go. That's the way we're going to roll. And we've got three cities that are head and shoulders above everyone else. And that's also encompassing our global audience as well. Melbourne, not surprising me, uh, being in Melbourne myself, I would hope that uh, my fe- fellow Melbourne pharmacy owners would be listening to me, uh, but Brisbane wasn't far behind at all, only a matter of maybe about 20 or 30 listeners. So. Welcome to everyone up in Brisbane and also in Sydney, not far behind as well. So it was great to uh, get all those insights and um, I believe if I'm going to follow suit, um, you guys will be the first three cities off the rank when we do our book launch. So I look forward to catching up with you all at those events in August, but more details to come as we go. Our interview today is with community pharmacist Tim Shelton. Tim's a pharmacy owner, and with his partner David, have been one of our early adopters of pharmacy automation, having their robot for six years. We're going to get a lot of benefit from Tim, and also they're in rural Victoria as well. So, for those of us who have rural pharmacies, this is right up your alley. Tim Sheldon, welcome to the Transformation Show. Thanks, Robert. Thanks for having me. Uh, great, great to have you on, Tim. And uh, Tim's a pharmacy owner in Bairnsdale and um, he's got a Consus uh, robot in his pharmacy and he's going to be talking to us today about how he's gone about implementing that in his pharmacy. And uh, I think it's going to be a great journey that he's going to take us on. So again, welcome, Tim. No worries, Rob. Looking forward to it. So, Tim, when you came out of university, um, what, what did you imagine your first pharmacy would look like? And, um, and and over the journey, did it involve technology straight away or is that something that invo- evolved over time?
1: Yes, yeah, so I, I actually uh, did some student uh, work experience hours in year 10 in a pharmacy uh, long before I got to university and have, even decided to do pharmacy. So um, I, I worked in a little pharmacy down in Sale and uh, they were just, I think, around about that time or perhaps the year before installing the first, I think it was an AMFAC computer back then, um, and they'd previously been using the old book and um, and handwritten methods. And I've got to admit, my memories of computers back then or any technology at all apart from the telephone and fax machine were, um, were were ones of uh, fairly obstructive. They seemed to slow everybody down and cause a lot of frustration because the guy that owned the pharmacy uh, didn't, um, didn't really appreciate them. And I just seem to remember him hating the computer and hating technology. And uh, so I guess my first introduction to technology in a pharmacy wasn't a positive one, but... Uh, <laughs> I then went off and did uni, and of course, um, during uni they were they were teaching us to do some uh, computer dispensing as they thought it was going to be very important, and turns out they were very correct. And then I started working in my first pharmacies and uh, and obviously by then computers were well entrenched into pharmacies. So yeah, it was a bit of a gradual process, but it didn't start positively.
0: <laughs> absolutely and uh, certainly that fax machine's still kicking around even today uh, with uh, electronic faxing being available I still see majority of pharmacies still have their fax machines so we'll, we'll see how long they carry on with that um, Tim so where, where technology sits um, I guess with you and uh, how, how do you go about keeping yourself up to date and educating yourself on uh, particularly the technology side is there any websites
1: or journals or things that you you read? Uh, Look, I I, I read uh, obviously the standard pharmacy journals, the AJP, Pharmacy Daily, uh, Pharma in Focus, those sorts of daily or monthly publications and you pick up tidbits from there um, that sort of lead to a further inquiry like I think recently a couple of years ago we switched to electronic uh, drugs of addiction recording. Um, which is a huge uh, uh, compliance issue for us and a compliance cost that I just always was frustrated with. And when that came along, I saw an ad somewhere in a journal and then followed it up. But there's no one source of uh, technology vis-à-vis pharmacy or health that I can find so far so maybe your show rob could be the first one of its kind
0: oh look absolutely and there's always things that you know as, as you know yourself that you may pull out from other businesses that you see and uh, yeah look this is really what we try to do here is try to bring the best of what's available both in and out of pharmacy to to our listeners and uh, yeah hopefully we'll try to get some benefit there and, uh, and make sure make sure those messages are clear so tim um Automation um, is, I think, what we'll focus majority of today on. Um, how did, how did, when, how did, was there a story behind the story to to looking at automation? And did um, you arrive at perhaps a conference or pick up an ad and say, look, you know, we we we, we could get more efficient in our pharmacy. Like, how did you come about deciding that automation was a way to go for you? Yeah, so I owned a a Terry
1: White in Bansdale that uh, I I eventually sold in 2007. Kind of got a little bit burnt out, as it were, Rob, because we didn't have any automation in that pharmacy. And it was back in the day when pharmacists were extremely difficult to come by and used to have to do all the hours myself. And so I sold the pharmacy and then David, my uh, good friend and competitor, uh, picked up the Terry White brand and did a shop fit. And during that time, um, and I wasn't involved in the decision, he decided that, um, you know, he was in strong script growth and he was again feeling the pressure the same as I was, just dispensing and dispensing. And he, uh, he and Terry White got together and uh, Rhonda and uh, Terry had put some Consus machines in a few of their stores at that stage and were reporting very good results. And David on his own, without my input, uh, decided to go with the consys. I, I don't believe there were any other options at that time. I think this was back in two thousand and early 2008, mm-hmm. and it was just Consus or nothing. And, you know, we all watched with bated breath to see how it would go, and um, certainly initially it wasn't, didn't go well. Um, the, uh, the interface between MinFos at that time, which was our dispensing software, and consys was very poor, and the, uh, it was very unstable, and I think we spent more time fixing it than we did actually dispensing it. So, um, you know, I wasn't an owner of the business and I just sort of watched from a distance. I then came into this business that I'm in now where the concert was already installed and that was a couple of years later. And, you know, it, it, it's difficult to imagine a time when we didn't have it now. It's mm. become so embedded in our daily processes that I just can't, uh, I can't, even sort of fathom how we used to do our daily workload the way we used to do it. Um, admittedly, we're a lot busier with scripts and the numbers are a lot higher, but uh, that's the way pharmacy's going. It's a consolidating industry. So, mm. yeah, it's uh, it's been a, a difficult process for the first six months, but once it was up and running, um, you know, you just... Uh, it's, it's so embedded in everything we do that it's difficult to imagine it not being there.
0: And I think that's at the core of everything, Tim, is the processes and, um, you know, seeing how it functions with the technology enabling greater efficiency. Um, Can you tell our listeners a few of those processes that, you know, you could now look at and think, well, I'm sure we did this in the past without the robot, but I couldn't imagine it without it right now. Yeah, well, I mean,
1: obviously... uh in its simplicity, is a little bit uh, of why I'm a fan of Consus. I'm very much aware of the other technologies out there, and and they are certainly appealing on some levels. But the the simplicity of the of the uh, Consus is simply um, in the morning we, we fill it uh, and uh, we give it we get it ready for the day's trade. and and even that's a very simple process that used to be quite a fraught with the danger process where everything's barcode checked and scanned and, you know, the, the possibilities of putting the wrong product that looks similar in the wrong shelf were always there in the old days but mm-hmm. now it's so much harder to do um, with the consists. So we fill the machine and then I guess we forget about it and it, uh, and then we start serving customers and, and keying in scripts and with ERX overlaid um, over everything now, it's got just so much faster. So a five or six prescription interaction with a customer can almost be done, uh, you know, I don't want to sound flippant, but on mm. autopilot. Yeah. Um, and uh, and really it sort of frees your headspace up to talk to that customer and to... Um, uh, you know, start looking at interactions in history and everything because the actual selection, dispensing and uh, and delivery of the drug is all automated. Mm. So you, you, you bang a few scripts through in a uh, in a sense and then turn around and, and, and the correct products are all there waiting to be labelled and then, of course, with a barcode scan check at the end, you're really certain that you've got the, rec- the correct product without having to think about it as much as you used to have to think about it. Yeah. And, our, and our error rate... Um, whilst anecdotal, I'd say has plummeted to um, almost undetectable levels. So it's uh, it's been uh, good, and that, that that's embedded in. We're doing. Uh, we've got five pharmacists across the bench now, all doing that all day, and with tech support, it's um, you know it's a very very busy pharmacy, but it doesn't seem like as hard as it used to be to work. Mm. Because your, your head's in a different place, and I think in probably in the correct place now. Whereas it used to be all about supply
0: and delivery. Uh, absolutely, and I don't think there's I don't think there's any um, issue with automating the logistics side of it. You know, the, the, all of us when we were, when we were training as pharmacists, we weren't training as those in distribution and logistics. So I think yeah. to automate that side of it, I think we'd all be pretty comfortable with that. Um, mm-hmm. With with having um, dispensary tech support, and I guess that's one consideration that every mm-hmm. pharmacy owner takes on board in their current model if they don't have a ph- they don't have an automation robot in their pharmacy is what role a dispensary tech maybe plays in an automated environment um yep. whereas previously they may have been fulfilling a lot of those logistics
1: yeah so i actually interestingly had an, an opportunity to uh go and spend six months working just recently uh we were considering buying another business and um, things worked out that I was able to go and actually work in that business uh, as a manager before we bought it. And um, it was just a <laughs> such a culture shock because I, I got into the business and whilst they were lovely techs and whilst it was a lovely pharmacy and everything was fine, they didn't have automation and I absolutely for the first week just was in shell shock to how how hard it was to get a script out mm-hmm. and um, it just it required so much more manual labour. And in our business, it was starkly contrasted because the text load the machine, the text pretty much operate the machine, fix the machine. The techs do most of the dispensing uh, as far as physically keying in or scanning in prescriptions. It's, it's really then just handed over to the pharmacy who stands in front of a checking screen. And and I, I just um, I, I think that could happen in a non-automated pharmacy, but the requirements for staffing would be so much higher.
0: Mm, no, no, absolutely. And look, I guess look, looking at that, that would have been a great comparison for you having yeah. been in an automated environment and going into that. And, uh, you know, other than the different use of a dispense tech, what were the big inefficiencies that you that you picked up straight away? Well, when a bulk order
1: comes in, um, you know, and you've got 35 Symbian tubs sitting there staring at you. Um, it's a very daunting task if you've got to unpack it and find its home on the shelves manually. Okay. Um, and <coughs> to, to not have to do that, to, to be able to accurately and confidently delegate that to a tech who then delegates it pretty much to the Consus machine barcode system, you know, it's uh, that every time the bulk order would come in, I'd just get cold sweats because I'm thinking, I really hate this, I don't like doing this, it's not what I'm trained for and, I, it, you know, it, it interferes with what I want to do. So, um, you know, with a, with a Consus, we're able to, um, to very much delegate that role and, uh, and do it quite accurately. So that's one big advantage. Hmm. Then as far as the delivery goes, obviously having to pick the product from the shelf, um, you kind of do that on autopilot, but you've got to be very cautious of misselection. And with Consus, that risk is greatly eliminated, of course. Yes. So, you know, when you combine the technologies of ERX at one end, barcode scan checking at the other and barcode scan check filling, you know, it's... Um, it's a pretty rigid system and it gives you that great layer of confidence that drug selection errors are almost don't happen
0: yeah
1: I say almost because there is still ways that humans can get involved and and muck around with it but um yeah it can it can be a, a, a real saver
0: but in in best practice absolutely so in in this new business Tim, would you consider putting a, an automated robot into that business at some stage in the future absolutely essential i've already got the quotes so <laughs> excellent so yeah. I, reckon, I think that's a great segue into uh, how do you how, uh, we've just isolated some key processes in inefficiencies that uh, you know obviously a great indicator for requiring automation but w- what other processes would you follow uh, we may have some pharmacy owner listeners who are in this same boat or considering it they may yeah. have been at app and seen all the big stands and are still umming and ahhing, do I do it? What should I look at? So what kind of due diligence and things have you, have you followed? Yeah, so obviously um,
1: we're very much considering buying another Consus. Uh, it, I don't think we will this year because, uh, and this is sort of leading into um, one of the reasons why we're buying another Consus and not some other technology. The Consus is now six years old and, um, and we do... You know, often upwards of a thousand prescriptions a day, sometimes quite a deal more than that, mm-hmm. and uh, it just goes all day. It just never misses. It just goes and goes and goes and goes. And when you're looking at your technology and you're doing your due diligence, um, look, I don't have any experience with the other um, other brands on the market. I think there are two or three at the moment uh, as far as that reliability goes. But when you when you back up the uh, villac. Um, customer service attitude, and that's very important, is that what's the attitude of the company you're buying off uh, with the um, with the machine itself, you know, you get a pretty potent and formidable mixture of reliability. Yep. And it's it's pointless buying a quarter of a million dollar machine if half the time you're supposed to be saving is spent trying to get the machine to do what it was supposed to do in the first place. So, you know, it's all about um, labour saving and increasing your, uh, your ability to do... Just as many just as many workloads and interactions with customers with less staff, and if your machine's not one hundred percent day in day out reliable, then you've got to be very careful. And I just I would like to um, you know examine those other options a little bit more. But as the way things stand at the moment, the company that supports the Consus is just a brilliant company, and I'm not getting paid to say any of this. I'm just giving it as it is. Absolutely. They, um, they really support us and in the first instance like just recently we had a little um, little widget on the machine that uh, was failing to operate in exactly the right fashion and sometimes it was getting jammed which was a great source of frustration as you can imagine. Yes. So in the first instance you ring, um, you immediately get through to someone that's not wait on hold for 35 minutes which is you know, what you get with some software vendors nowadays Yes. Uh, and they might call you back three days later. You immediately get a technician on the phone who then you know, over the phone tries to diagnose, then dials in, tries to diagnose, and then if that doesn't work, they're there the next day or even the same day, and we're three hours from Melbourne. So uh, if you don't have that with the company you're considering buying from, you've got to be very careful because these machines, when they stop working, you're slower than if you had shelves yeah. because everything's in uh, random locations and you've got to try and pick from a list and, uh yeah, it's a nightmare. So make sure the total... Cost and, and convenience of ownership is considered. That's what I'd say.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And look, quality assurance at, at that level um, is paramount. And if, if you don't have that, then yes, it's going to be a very a big inconvenience. Massive
1: frustrations. Yeah, yeah
0: absolutely. And, and, and I suppose the other thing we've touched on dispense techs a little bit. And if a, if a automation robot came into your environment, what, what productivity gains would you see from the existing dispense technicians? Are there services that you think? think that if you put an automated robot into your business that you may be able to provide better service to your customers and, you know, how have you approached that aspect of, I guess, the changing dynamic of the workforce?
1: Sure. So we never ended up going ahead with that business that I worked in. Um, It just didn't work out. But, uh, you know, considering why we wanted to put a conscious in there or or a robot in there was um, that we feel it's a lot easier to get the pharmacist away from dispensing uh, if, um, if, if a robot's in place, mm-hmm. that uh, our, our particular niche uh, marketing drive, you know, if we're going up against the discounters and the, and, the, um, and the like, people, not everyone's happy with that style of pharmacy. Some people really demand an interaction with a pharmacist. Yes. And, uh, and they'll shop. Accordingly, and and I think we're testimony to that because we do, um, you know, a very large number of scripts in this town. I'm led to believe it's the largest number, and yet we're not a discounter, we're a full service pharmacy, uh, and we have discounters on both sides of us. And so, it's not because of price that people are shopping here. We believe it's because they want to interact with the pharmacist more than they want to interact with, say, you know, a very polite 16 year old girl who doesn't know that much. So, we, we feel with a robot in place, that is enabled and we've we've sort of adopted that model where the pharmacists aren't really encouraged to dispense at all, in fact we try and ban it yep. uh, they're encouraged to take the prescription once dispensed, check it and give it out to the customer while talking to them and that kind of style of interaction leads to I think a higher um, sales growth yep. um, and also with the OTC and, um, and complementary therapy recommendations as well uh, as far as getting the machine loaded and everything, all of that's completely delegated to um, a technician nowadays and Again, I think I'm just more confident doing that with the um, the technology backup than when they just had to put stuff on a shelf. You might find a, you know, the occasional cumadin lobbed in with the cover seal fives if you weren't careful.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And I guess having, having that six-year journey with Consus, is there anything that you, you've seen over the journey that you thought, well, okay, if I had to do this all again, what would I do differently? And, uh, you know, would I involve different levels of the staff? Would I require more supplier support? You know, were there any things that you'd thought of?
1: I'd probably not rely on it from day one. Um, you've got to expect some teething problems and some, and some growth time. So uh, whereas I think the way it was done here is it was turned on and there was no other option, the machine had to work and it didn't and that just created a a period of time until they got the kinks ironed out and look, you've got to admit that was early days when the software and the consists weren't really talking to each other. I think a lot of those issues have been fixed now so perhaps that's not the same necessary but I'd be keeping an eye on backup plans for the first month just in case um, that we do that differently. Um, I'd probably spend more time getting the staff trained and accepting the Consus rather than just the owners. The owners of this business tend to be very tech-friendly. Yep. And like we've just installed a robotic packaging machine as well for exactly the same reasons as, um, as we installed the Consus. And, um, you know, we're very pro-tech. We're very pro, well, let's do this, it'll be um, so much saved in automation. But the staff aren't necessarily there. Hmm. Uh, and that can be a real journey by not bringing them along and trying to sort of push them up the hill rather than having them walk up the hill by themselves. So we probably made those mistakes. And yeah, so... I'd do those two things
0: differently. And what do you think are the biggest challenges with getting the staff on board? Is it that they think that the you know, automatically they look at a robot and they think, well, that's going to be doing my job and therefore they feel threatened? Totally, totally. Or or, (laughs) or is it simply just the process that they think, well, I'm used to this process, but I can't see how this piece of technology interacts with it? Yeah.
1: Uh, No, it tends to be more the former. Um, We had an interesting example we we do a very large um sort of aged care not very large compared to some people but so 500 beds yep. uh, aged care offer with some community patients and things and we had two girls employed full time to produce webster packs yep. for those uh, for those beds and we initially uh we for, for a great deal of time went with the um outsourcing of that to a, a aphs um yes. company and and they obviously use robotic packaging and the first time I mentioned it to my two techs, they were absolutely aghast and were totally resistant. And I just, in my mind, I knew it wasn't replacing their jobs, but no one had told them that. Mm. So they basically thought I'd just shown up one day and said, oh, by the way, girls, you're both out of a job. (laughs) That's how they read it. And it wasn't until afterwards that I finally, the penny dropped about two weeks later. And I spoke to one of them and, and she was forward enough and thankfully honest enough to say, well, we're not very happy that you're getting rid of us. And and I'm like, I was bewildered that she could have interpreted my actions that way. And I'm like, no, you, you just won't be packing anymore. You'll still be administering everything. And, and so we've been able to um, totally change their workflow. And two weeks after the implementation, she came back and said, I'm really, really glad we've done this. Um, you know, it's, it's made my job so much more enjoyable. I get to work on high level things now. And, but that perception was really wrong to start with. And I didn't introduce the topic very well at all.
0: Yeah. I was certainly hoping that there was a silver lining there, Tim. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) that's, that's, that's a really good one.
1: And both of them ended up getting pregnant and leaving anyway. So (laughs) I'm very resentful to the both, and no, I'm not really, I'm joking, <laughs> but but no, they, um, they, yeah, both of them were very, very happy with the change, but initially they saw the technology as a huge um, uh, threat, and, uh, and they were very, very scared of it, and it wasn't until we were able to calm those fears and, and take them on the journey and, and, and introduce them to how their life would look different on the other side of it that we, we got through it, so
0: yeah look obviously the knowledge and education is paramount to it and if they don't have it it's what you what you don't know about obviously scares you and i think that's really yeah. what, what, we're, what we're trying to achieve with technology and introducing Absolutely. it in this show because a lot of it just scares people um and yeah. probably, probably unnecessarily when you can start using it and i suppose we all look at how we adopted iphones and how quickly we, we just realized how easy it was to use and you know how we wouldn't probably do things any differently these days so no. Yeah, uh, certainly something. Are there any um, lighter stories that you can um, share with us, Tim? Like some pharmacy owners with robots have gone to the extent of naming the naming the robot and uh, having the community get around it and, and, yeah. and helping that process. Is, is there any of that that you've, that you've had? We
1: actually do. The, the robots, um, they do adopt personalities. Ours is called Connie for you know, creative reasons. I'm sure yes. everyone's called Connie, but... But Connie has a personality. Uh, she's a she's a rigid sort of a German girl, yeah. and uh, and she doesn't like too much frivolity. And um, you know you've got to respect her and, and and treat her in exactly the way she wants to be treated. And she'll perform all day. Uh, whereas um, you know if you start uh, trying to take shortcuts, she she gets a bit angry and. Uh, so, so Connie's become an integral part of our pharmacy. The customers all, um, you know, love coming in and, uh, and watching Connie work. Yeah. Uh, I'd absolutely encourage anyone uh, considering putting a robot in to make your, uh, your robot front and centre of your display. Um, they love it. It's in- extremely well received by even the older, older less technologically um, able folk. Yeah. In fact, Connie even appeared in our recent television ad where we were selling the virtues of the pharmacy and, um, you know, we went around and showed how we could help people and, and Connie was a star in that, showing people that we're using the latest technology to deliver better health results. So, yeah, and our new robot um, is um, is called James Yes. Uh, because he's a packer and uh, so we think, you know, he's going to be – he's only been with us a couple of weeks but we're looking forward to how he works as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and I just wonder whether there's a bit of romance in that, Tim. That whether Connie and James may be able to work together, and uh, the original packs from Connie may be able to end over and end up with James at some point in time. We're
1: hoping for a bit of that, but they live in different rooms. So we're going to have to have little social events where they can get together and mingle. I don't know how we're going to work that out.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. And and have you taken any customers of a tour of Connie around the back and have have they been wowed by all of the uh, moving parts and how easily it does its work?
1: Look, even young people who you'd think are probably used to seeing robots all over the shop, uh, they're amazed. They, they they often want to have a look what's going on behind the scenes and uh, and just understand it. And, uh, yeah, look, it's it's a real feature. It's a real bit of theatre in the store. And uh, I highly encourage people to uh, – And what, one of the things we are looking at to make more space, we're a bit space-restricted here, was to put Connie upstairs and have some shoots coming through the roof. Yep. And uh, and we thought that would be a great bit of theatre. And I've seen it done at a pharmacy in Kiama where they uh, – have these elaborate sort of DNA spiral structures coming down from the roof with the drugs being delivered, and the customers love it, so they think it's hilarious. So. It's, um, it's a really good uh, you know way to, um, to put some theatre into an otherwise dull process
0: Absolutely and I, I think that was going to be my next uh, question around optimising and finding a, a better way to uh, make sure that you're getting maximum benefits from the robot and obviously making extra space by going upstairs might be one thing is that something that you and your partner and um, management team are discussing or is it something that perhaps um, Phil Ark has come to you and said look you could probably do a little bit better by doing this Um, how have you approached optimizing um the robot yeah so we wanted to create
1: more space in the dispensary uh zone as it were in the professional services area it was just a very constricted and, and challenging building to to work within um great location but the building itself was challenging so we looked extensively at putting connie upstairs and uh Excuse me. the the end up decision was to uh, to move the dispensary to another location in the building right down the other end. So that's where we went in the long run. But but James is going upstairs, the new packer, yeah. and uh, and Connie and James are going to be linked by a conveyor belt. We we hope so that the uh, technicians working James upstairs are able to do an o- uh, an order, and uh, so they've run out of say netting, and then Connie will deliver them one upstairs without having to go downstairs and wrap So yeah, you do need to consider that. Print, um, but there is a great deal of advantage in having it very visible to your customers. So it's it's not to be thought of as something to be hidden away. I'd I'd put it in front and center.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, to finally, um, I'll set you probably the biggest question I might have, but you're pretty inventive in how you're looking at it anyway. So. What would be the, I guess, the biggest game-changing technology? Um, time and resource not being a barrier, of course, that you'd implement in your pharmacy. Obviously, you've gone ahead and automated packing with James, but uh, yep. anything else that you see on the horizon? Um,
1: look, I'm, I don't think we're really ready for these sorts of things, but I'm very interested in Amazon's um, service model with their, their, uh, you know, with deliveries and um, and sort of pharmacy in the home. Uh, I think there's a there's a there's a future for pharmacy in 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 expanding our footprint away from just a bricks and mortar building and becoming more of a more of a consultative uh, in your home business with uh, you know possibly drones delivering their you know deliveries and all sorts of weird and wonderful things like that notwithstanding DD laws and all sorts of barriers there but I just see the logistics of you know driving around and helping people in place um, a little bit pr- Problematic at the moment, and if we could do an easier way of of taking our pharmacy services to where the customer is, I think yeah. a huge advantage. Uh, yeah. I don't know how to do it yet, but I'm just watching that sort of technology with interest. Like one of the things that you, you know, obviously, everyone who's been into an Apple store, is pretty impressed with, is that when you walk into the store, the guy that groups you is the guy that sells you the product, and then he swipes your credit card on his fancy little iPhone there, yeah. and and um and that sort of mobile, you know, getting away from Counters and registers and bricks and mortar. That's just sort of vaguely where I think we'd we'd be interested in exploring, yep. and I think it'd give us a huge competitive
0: advantage. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I gather you must have followed uh, uh, episode. Uh, I think it was six or seven of the of our show. We were talking about drones uh, that are going to be going live in July in San Francisco. Did you, Did you catch that one too? I did.
1: Yeah, I watched with great interest, and I've been reading. it, I've actually done done some further study on it, just seeing what they've. Uh, been up to and there's a great YouTube clip running around at the moment that a friend sent me about just uh, spending a day in the Amazon warehouse and the technologies they employ it's quite impressive so
0: yeah absolutely and I think if uh, Jeff Bezos has his way they'll be going everywhere in 2015 so I it's agree we'll, we'll, we'll be watching that space and uh, yeah. look obviously that yeah, leads to a whole range of things that I, I spoke to Joshua the uh, quickie founder about uh, on that on that interview about the problems that may come from having DDs and the perhaps the uh, proliferation yeah. of um, snot yeah. Like sniper drug seekers
1: getting out yeah. there and uh, <laughs> shooting them down. I think, and in, uh, I think it was Mozambique or Kenya. Or I can't recall. It was one of those TED Talks, um, you know, those broadcasts that yes. they do. I'm not sure if you picked it up where they, uh, they're doing a vaccination trial using drones um, covering about a, a 200 square mile area in Kenya from a central clinic and they're delivering vaccines to a, to a drop point. Uh, in this area in Africa. And it worked out to be a lot cheaper than driving them around, obviously. So, yeah, interesting ways of uh, delivering medical health.
0: Oh, look, absolutely. And I think at the end of the day, if it's getting there quicker um, and uh, it's giving the patient the best opportunity to get better in a quicker time, then I think we should all be looking forward to these types of innovations. But obviously it doesn't replace that person-to-person interaction. It's obviously just aiding and improving the efficiency. I think
1: that's it. I think I'd like to get out more into the community um, using, you know, teleconferencing technologies and cloud computing and drones and all that sort of support network. It doesn't replace any of the, uh, the need to talk to a pharmacist face-to-face. But if you could take your technology with you and have, you know, just scan a script in and have it delivered to you where you were without the patient having to leave their home, I don't know how you do that legally. But that's the sort of vague Disneyland stuff I think about.
0: Oh, look, absolutely. And, you know, we're we're all pretty blown away by how Apple achieved that in their stores. And, um, you know, look, we've just got to continue to keep pushing the boundaries and innovating, which uh, I'm sure you'll be doing a lot more in your pharmacies. And uh, I look forward to uh, following your journey as well, Tim. So thanks for joining us this morning. I think our our pharmacy owners will take away a lot of aspects, particularly given also that you're located regionally. Uh, So if any of our listeners are in a regional area, you know, certainly they can Considerations Tim's raised about robots and support are certainly things you should be looking at. But uh, thanks for joining us, Tim. It's been a, it's been a pleasure. Rob. nice to speak to you. Cheers. Okay, bye bye. What a great interview! And I think we agree that we covered a lot of serious aspects, but also some of the lighter aspects. And I think that's really important in to te- implementing technology. It isn't just all very technical and serious. That um, you can have a lot of fun with it. And certainly Tim and his team are definitely doing that right now. My three key learnings from that is that one, support is a primary consideration, particularly if you're in regional areas of Australia. You need to be 100% confident that your supplier, particularly if something as critical as pharmacy automation, can support you any time of the day, whether it be remote or in store. You just need to have that peace of mind as it would be with any major investment in your life. Number two, engage your team from day one. As as Timbo can attest, day one, he didn't quite talk to his staff, particularly around his automated packing machine, and there was some misunderstanding. So to avoid that misunderstanding, ensure your processes are laid out very well for your team and that they can understand the purpose of the technology that you're implementing and that their jobs aren't under sufferance and that they will have a better workflow and workplace as a result of them. And number three, examine your pharmacy logistics and always continuously look for ways to improve patient interactivity. Like with Tim, it can be a clear point of difference for your patients when they decide which pharmacy to build a relationship or to maintain a relationship with. He's in a very competitive area with discounters around him, yet they're thriving and a huge number of prescription volume because of the personal patient service that him and David provide in Bairnsdale so I think we can all take away from that that the technology is great but if it doesn't improve patient interactivity it's not worth it but if it does it can work in spades for you so something to take away so this week our micro transformation is social media and particularly Facebook Particularly last week, we spoke about Ancal and Guardian and the great work that they're doing with kidney health. And I will post a correction. They did put some campaign banners on Facebook shortly after this episode went to air. So obviously, I don't think that's related. However, I will correct that. But what I did notice over the course of the week was that they spent mega dollars on traditional media. And obviously, that's a, you know an investment to get coverage around around Australia into everything that they were doing and it was all fantastic but perhaps add some social media to it as well I'm going to throw some statistics at you just in case any of you are wondering that whether social media is really all it's cracked out to be and particularly Facebook as we're focusing on today world populations the top 10 China, and we're talking people here, mind you. We're not talking uh, about uh, anything else. World populations of people. Number one is China. Number two is India. Number three is Facebook. Would you believe that? Number three in the world is Facebook. Number four is an Asian platform called Tencent. Number five, WhatsApp, which has been acquired by Facebook. Six is the United States, so it's great to see some countries figuring in the world populations again. But not for too long. Then we've got Google Plus at seven, Indonesia at number eight, LinkedIn at number nine, and Twitter at number ten. So collections of people, social media is a dominant force in the world. So any, any myths that you have that social media is going away, it certainly isn't, and it is growing at a rapid rate of knots. 11 million users in Australia are using Facebook. That's one in every two people, roughly. So, please, pharmacy brands, pharmacy owners, please get involved in Facebook. And that's what we're going to talk about today as to what I think you could be doing to help your pharmacy in having a presence on Facebook as well. To put this together, I've reviewed over 25 pharmacy Facebook sites and taken some common themes and to feed those back to you about some common mistakes that they're making and things that you can do to improve on it as well. Probably the most prolific of all Facebook sites was Terry White Chemist Townsville. I have put a call in to George to try and get him on the show because they're probably our biggest exponent of Facebook sites. They've certainly got the most number of likes, and we'll talk about likes and impressions as we go along as well but they've got, at the time of the airing of this episode, 8,181 likes, which is quite amazing for a single store at Terry White Chemists. So in terms of likes and impressions, what does it mean? Well, likes means that someone clicks on it and they say, well, great, I like your page, I want to hear from you quite regularly. So they do that. Impressions is where you actually have content being consumed by your by your target demographic, hopefully, or other readers of your page. So that's the number of times people land on your page and read your content. Bear in mind, as we'll talk about later, not everyone does want to like things. Not everyone talks in social media. Some people just like to consume and read and just really keep up to date with going on what's going on. We spoke about Twitter in episode five, I believe, as a news feed and also at APP as a conference coverage network as well. So again, Facebook can be used as a news feed as well. Also, as in terms of our pharmacy brands, probably Terry White Chemists as well. So Terry White Chemists and Terry White Chemist Townsville probably doing the best of everyone as far as Facebook pages are concerned. And they've got 9,678 likes at this point of time. The one thing I do need to criticize, and I will because I believe that we can all get better in this space, is that the majority of all Facebook sites and including our best exponents probably spend too much time on push marketing. And what I mean by that is that, and I'll get into my five biggest mistakes that I think these pages are making, and what we can do to improve on it as well. So, the first one, which was very common, is they all sound like radio ads. Sell, sell, sell. That's all we're doing. We're selling, we're posting offers, products, but are we solving any problems? We need to determine who our typical patients are and what are they looking to get done? What are they looking to achieve? What are their problems? And solve those problems in a post or a blog post. Don't repurpose a self-care card. You know, that, that cookie cutter approach doesn't work for everyone. As pharmacy owners on this show, no one knows your patients better than you do. And so to know what to actually give them as far as content is concerned should be right up your alley as well. So my advice is posts and blog posts that, and perhaps also curated content. So, And we'll talk about some great examples of other pages outside of our industry, still in the healthcare space, mind you, when we get to number five. But perhaps curate some content. And what that means is that you might read an article... And you might want to actually repost that on your page. But please, guys, if you do repost an article, it's always nice to put a comment as to what you felt was actually really good about that article and not just throw it up there. Number two, don't pretend. Represent your store the same way you do in-store. So when you have an online presence, and this isn't just restricted to Facebook and social media, try to behave the same way as you would like your patients to see you if they walked in your front door. They're walking through the front door of your Facebook. It's important that it's consistent. And when we talk about branding, it's so, so important. Number three, Just don't slap up anything up there at any time. Be consistent and prolific. Don't just go hard for three or four days. And I'm not saying that I know how to do this perfectly. I've been guilty of this and I've reviewed my own pages and I'm going to have to take a bit of my own learning to actually improve some of these in my family's pharmacies. But we need to be consistent and prolific. If we just throw something up every so often, no one listens. You just think about it. If you decide to tune into A Current Affair on Channel 9 or Today Tonight on Channel 7 and they decided to run three episodes in a row day after day and you got hooked and you really wanted to hear from them and then they decided, well, we're going to take a break for three weeks and we'll throw something back up there in three weeks' time and then we might only do it for one day and then decide to do it a month later. Again, you're not going to keep people's attention, no one's interested. So if you do implement a social media strategy, you don't have to be posting every hour. There are social networks where that's appropriate like Twitter, which is really viewed as like a like a, a news flash on the radio. So every half an hour there's a news flash update. that's really where Twitter sits. But Facebook, you really want to be probably posting on there one or two times now, To say that that's something that you can do regularly, you might think, well, that's a lot of work. But ultimately, if you are going to create content and you're going to solve some problems in a blog post or a post for your patients, then you'll have some little tidbits that you can actually cut up and drip out throughout your Facebook campaigns as well. So be consistent and prolific, my advice on that. Number four is not responding to comments. We had a great example of this in one of our pharmacies where we had some really negative feedback coming through to us and it was unfounded completely. It was just someone who you know, perhaps was just a little bit annoyed at everything that was going on in their lives that particular day and wanted to really lash out at the fact that we didn't have stock of quite a rare item and that we, why we couldn't actually get it for them within an hour. Um, you know it 's simply unfathomable to work out how we could have solved that any better than what we did in terms of sourcing it from an alternate pharmacy and having them reserve that stock and go and pick it up for them. Or in another example where we had some positive feedback where one of our pharmacists was able to actually help a diabetic with their glucagon pen and actually rescue them from a very, very sticky situation and get the paramedics involved and be at their side until they got there. So we've been on the both side of things and we've had both of those things end up on our page. However, it's important that you actually comment on it. So if someone tells you something great, thank them. But also, you know, thank them in a way that isn't just seen as you know perhaps a bit a bit contrived and that you know that there's something going on and they've posted something nice for you and you've slapped them back and say, hey, thanks very much. But you know, do it in do it in an authentic way, the same way as anyone would if they walked into your pharmacy and thanked you. But more importantly, on the negative ones. A lot of people and brands and companies, and there's been a lot of gaffes out there, you know, Qantas have done some really big bad ones and uh, I won't put those up there today and talk about them, but there's a lot of social media gaffes we can talk about where, you know, they've just been plain stuff-ups and where they've gone wrong is when they haven't responded well to negative feedback. So, in our case, we felt that we would help to direct our patients to the appropriate site. So we offered to call that patient at the time of when they posted it. So again, you need to be able to actually hear the comments coming through. So you need to have the app on your phone so that you can respond quite quickly too. Don't wait a couple of months to have someone put negative stuff on your site before you write back. You need to be on top of that. So it's important you monitor it. But people judge you, in my opinion, on your recovery and how you can keep your class about how you respond Um, and put people in the right touch. If they want to complain about you being perhaps the worst pharmacy in the world and they want to go and take you to higher authorities, you need to be responding in kind with how you would do it if someone did it inside your pharmacy. And if they want to lodge a complaint, you put them in touch with an offline channel of getting that conversation happening in store to try and find the right outcome for them and communicate it as such. And you'll find that any of your listeners or followers will respect you for that. Number five is not understanding the platform. So likes versus impressions, we spoke about that. And sometimes people just aren't likers, they're readers. And that's how it is. So don't be discouraged by the fact that people perhaps don't like you as much as you would have liked. You know, there's a big culture going on about how there's this new type of anxiety going on in our world where we're hanging on people writing comments and liking stuff that we post on Facebook. Same thing with business. But ultimately, some people just really like to read and listen. So don't be discouraged if you have likes. Use the analytics to see what impressions you get. And to help you understand the analytics or even how you get to those, there's a great Facebook small media guide that I'm going to pop on the blog post as well that you can have a read of that shows you some really good tips of how to get the best out of your Facebook page as well. One example I'll leave you with, and you can all do this if you're on Facebook already, is the PhysioCo. Tristan White is a great advocate for great culture in the workplace, and and they have a culture of loving oldies. And I reckon in pharmacy we love oldies too, so this is why I've picked them as my example. for a company that just does this incredibly well. They attract team, and they actually don't do much recruiting because their Facebook page does a lot of that for them, but they celebrate their customer demographic. They celebrate oldies stories, great oldies stories from all around the world, and people embody that, and they don't have a huge number of likes. I think they've only got about 1,300 likes, which even when you compare to our Terry White chemist example, is not very much, but they recognize through looking at their analytics and seeing their impressions that lots of people engaging with it. They're reading it, they love it, and that's why they keep getting prolific and putting great content out there. And that's really what it's all about, helping our patients solve problems. And I reckon that's the best thing we could be doing in social media. Thanks for listening, guys. I look forward to speaking to you again next week.